Section 55 of Man and Wife. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Joe Sela. Man and Wife by Wilkie Collins. Fifteenth Scene, Holchester House. Chapter the Forty-Seventh, The Last Chance. His lordship is dangerously ill, sir. Her ladyship can receive no visitors. Be so good as to take that card to Lady Holchester. It is absolutely necessary that your mistress should be made acquainted, in the interests of her younger son, with something which I can only mention to her ladyship herself. The two persons speaking were Lord Holchester's head servant and Sir Patrick Lundy. At that time barely half an hour had passed since the close of the proceedings at Portland Place. The servant still hesitated with a card in his hand. I shall forfeit my situation, he said, if I do it. You will most assuredly forfeit your situation if you don't do it, returned Sir Patrick. I warn you plainly, this is too serious a matter to be trifled with. The tone in which those words were spoken had its effect. The man went upstairs with his message. Sir Patrick waited in the hall. Even the momentary delay of entering one of the reception rooms was more than he could endure at the moment. Anne's happiness was hopelessly sacrificed already. The preservation of her personal safety, which Sir Patrick firmly believed to be in danger, was the one service which it was possible to render to her now. The perilous position in which she stood toward her husband, as an immovable obstacle, while she lived between Geoffrey and Miss Glenarm, was beyond the reach of remedy. But it was still possible to prevent her from becoming the innocent cause of Geoffrey's pecuniary ruin by standing in the way of a reconciliation between father and son. Resolute to leave no means untried of serving Anne's interests, Sir Patrick had allowed Arnold and Blanche to go to his own residence in London, alone, and had not even waited to say a farewell word to any of the persons who had taken part in the inquiry. Her life may depend on what I can do for her at Holchester House. With that conviction in him, he had left Portland Place. With that conviction in him, he had sent his message to Lady Holchester, and was now waiting for the reply. The servant appeared again on the stairs. Sir Patrick went up to meet him. Her ladyship will see you, sir, for a few minutes. The door of an upper room was open, and Sir Patrick found himself in the presence of Geoffrey's mother. There was only time to observe that she possessed the remains of rare personal beauty, and that she received her visitor with a grace and courtesy which implied, under the circumstances, a considerable regard for his position and at the expense of her own. "'You have something to say to me, Sir Patrick, on the subject of my second son. I am in great affliction. If you bring me bad news, I will do my best to bear it. May I trust to your kindness not to keep me in suspense?' It will help me to make my intrusion as little painful as possible to your ladyship, replied Sir Patrick, if I am permitted to ask a question. Have you heard of any obstacle to the contemplated marriage of Mr. Geoffrey Delamayn and Mrs. Glenarm? Even that distant reference to Anne produced an ominous charge for the worse in Lady Holchester's manner. I have heard of the obstacle to which you allude, she said. Mrs. Glenarm is an intimate friend of mine. She has informed me that a person named Sylvester, an impudent adventuress, I beg your ladyship's pardon. You are doing a cruel wrong to the noblest woman I have ever met with. I cannot undertake, Sir Patrick, to enter into your reason for admiring her. Her conduct toward my son has, I repeat, been the conduct of an impudent adventuress. Those words showed Sir Patrick the utter hopelessness of shaking her prejudice against Anne. He decided on proceeding at once to the disclosure of the truth. I entreat you to say no more, he answered. Your ladyship is speaking of your son's wife. My son has married Miss Sylvester? Yes. She turned deadly pale. It appeared for an instant as if the shock had completely overwhelmed her. But the mother's weakness was only momentary. The virtuous indignation of the great lady had taken its place before Sir Patrick could speak again. She rose to terminate the interview. 
I presume, she said, that your errand here is as an end. Sir Patrick rose, on his side, resolute to do the duty which had brought him to the house. I am compelled to trespass on your ladyship's attention for a few minutes more, he answered. The circumstances attending the marriage of Mr. Geoffrey Dallamain are of no common importance. I beg permission, in the interests of his family, to state very briefly what they are. In a few clear sentences he narrated what had happened that afternoon in Portland Place. Lady Holchester listened with the steadiest and coldest attention. So far as outward appearances were concerned, no impression was produced upon her. "'Do you expect me,' she asked, "'to espouse the interests of a person who has prevented my son from marrying the lady of his choice and of mine?' Mr. Geoffrey Dallamain, unhappily, has that reason for resenting his wife's innocent interference with interests of considerable importance to him,' returned Sir Patrick. "'I request your ladyship to consider whether it is desirable, in view of your son's conduct in the future, to allow his wife to stand in the doubly perilous relation toward him of being also a cause of estrangement between his father and himself.' he had put it with scrupulous caution but lady holchester understood what he had refrained from saying as well as what he had actually said she had hitherto remained standing she now sat down again there was a visible impression produced on her at last in lord holchester's critical state of health she answered i decline to take the responsibility of telling him what you have just told me my own influence has been uniformly exerted in my son's favor as long as my interference could be productive of any good result the time for my interference has passed. Lord Holchester has altered his will this morning. I was not present, and I have not yet been informed of what he has done. Even if I knew— Your ladyship would naturally decline, said Sir Patrick, to communicate the information to a stranger. Certainly, at the same time after what you have said, I do not feel justified in deciding on this matter entirely by myself. One of Lord Holchester's executors is now in the house. There can be no impropriety in your seeing him, if you wish it. You are at liberty to say, from me, that I leave it entirely to his discretion to decide what ought to be done. I gladly accept your ladyship's proposal. Lady Holchester rang the bell at her side. Take Sir Patrick Lundy to Mr. Marchwood, she said to the servant. Sir Patrick started. The name was familiar to him, as the name of a friend. Mr. Marchwood of Hurlbeck? he asked. The same. With that brief answer, Lady Holchester dismissed her visitor. Following the servant to the other end of the corridor, Sir Patrick was conducted into a small room, the antechamber to the bedroom in which Lord Holchester lay. The door of communication was closed. A gentleman sat writing at a table near the window. He rose and held out his hand, with a look of surprise when the servant announced Sir Patrick's name. This was Mr. Marchwood. After the first explanations had been given, Sir Patrick patiently reverted to the object of his visit to Holchester House. On the first occasion when he mentioned Anne's name, he observed that Mr. Marchwood became, from that moment, specially interested in what he was saying. "'Do you happen to be acquainted with the lady?' he asked. "'I only know her as the cause of a very strange proceeding this morning in that room.' He pointed to Lord Holchester's bedroom as he spoke. "'Are you at liberty to mention what that proceeding was?' "'Hardly, even to an old friend like you, unless I felt it a matter of duty, on my part, to state the circumstances.' "'Pray go on with what you were saying to me. You were on the point of telling me what brought you to this house.' Without a word more of preface, Sir Patrick told him the news of Geoffrey's marriage to Anne. Married? cried Mr. Marchwood. Are you sure of what you say? I am one of the witnesses of the marriage. Good heavens, and Lord Holchester's lawyer has left the house. Can I replace him? Have I, by any chance, justified you in telling me what happened this morning in the next room? Justified me? You have left me no other alternative. The doctors are all agreed in dreading apoplexy. His lordship may die at any moment. 
in the lawyer's absence i must take it on myself here are the facts there is the codicil to lord holchester's will which is still unsigned relating to his second son relating to geoffrey dalamain and giving him when it is once executed a liberal provision for life what is the object in the way of his executing it the lady whom you have just mentioned to me anne sylvester anne sylvester now as you tell me mrs geoffrey dalamain i can only explain the thing very imperfectly there are certain painful circumstances associated in this lordship's memory with this lady or with some member of her family we can only gather that he did something in the early part of his professional career which was strictly within the limits of his duty but which apparently led to very sad results some days since he unfortunately heard either through miss glenarm or through mrs julius delamain of miss sylvester's appearance at swanhaven lodge no remark on the subject escaped him at the time it was only this morning when the codicil giving the legacy to geoffrey was waiting to be executed that his real feeling in the matter came out to our astonishment he refused to sign it fine anne sylvester was the only answer we could get from him and bring her to my bedside you all say my son is guiltless of injuring her i am lying on my deathbed i have serious reasons of my own i owe it to the memory of the dead to assure myself of the truth if anne sylvester herself acquits him of having wronged her i will provide for geoffrey not otherwise we went the length of reminding him that he might die before miss sylvester could be found our interference had but one result he desired the lawyer to add a second codicil to the will which he executed on the spot it directs his executors to inquire into the relations that have actually existed between anne sylvester and his younger son if we find reason to conclude that geoffrey has gravely wronged her we are directed to pay her a legacy provided that she is a single woman at the time and her marriage violates the provision exclaimed sir patrick yes the codicil actually executed is now worthless and the other codicil remains unsigned until the lawyer can produce miss sylvester he has left the house to apply to geoffrey at fulham as the only means at our disposal of finding the lady some hours have passed and he has not yet returned it is useless to wait for him said sir patrick while the lawyer was on his way to fulham lord holchester's son was on his way to portland place this is even more serious than you suppose tell me what under less pressing circumstances i should have no right to ask apart from the unexecuted codicil what is geoffrey dalamain's position in the will he is not even mentioned in it have you got the will mr marchwood unlocked the drawer and took it out sir patrick instantly rose from his chair no waiting for the lawyer he repeated vehemently this is a matter of life and death lady holchester bitterly resents her son's marriage she speaks and feels as a friend of miss glenarm do you think lord holchester would take the same view if he knew of it it depends entirely on the circumstances suppose i informed him as i inform you in confidence that his son has gravely wronged miss sylvester and suppose i followed that up by telling him that his son has made atonement by marrying her after the feeling that he has shown in the matter i believe he would sign the codicil then for god's sake let me see him i must speak to the doctor do it instantly with the will in his hand mr marchwood advanced to the bedroom door it was open from within before he could get to it the doctor appeared on the threshold he held up his hand warningly when mr marchwood attempted to speak to him go to lady holchester he said it's all over dead dead end of section fifty five recording by joe Sela.